Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today our topic is looping on a small boat, and one of our gold loopers, Bill Webster, will be here to tell us a little bit about his loop and give us some tips if a small boat is what you're considering for your Great Loop. Before I bring in Bill, I want to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Bill Webster, thank you so much for joining me today on Great Loop Radio. My pleasure. And uh, we know that you and Molly did the loop a few years back. So to start off, since some of our listeners won't be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about you and Molly and your cruising experience and your Great Loop adventure. Yes. So uh, we bought our boat uh, five years ago. And in fact, one of the first things we did after we bought our boat uh, was to attend uh, one of your seminars. This one was, I think, in Stamford, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. back in 2015. And uh, uh, a year after that, I arranged to get three months off work. And we left Maine at the end of October. It was freezing and uh, uh, made it down the East Coast and uh, cut across from Florida to the Bahamas and returned. So we had to go fast uh, for much of the trip, but we just loved that. And that solidified our uh, dream to do the complete loop once we retired. And we retired in June of 2019. And uh, two weeks after retirement, uh, we are on the boat, headed south again to New York City and went up the Hudson. We went through the Erie Canal, did a side trip to the Finger Lakes, which was awesome. And then back to the Oswego Canal and uh, crossed Lake Ontario, went uh, through the Thousand Islands, and took the Trent's uh, Severn Waterway uh, up to uh, Georgian Bay and the North Channel, over to Lake Michigan and Chicago and the rivers down to the Gulf, around Florida, and then uh, to the Bahamas again. Um, and so uh, we actually completed our loop in the Bahamas in January of 2020, which was kind of neat. Yeah, that is very neat. And given the timing, did you have any trouble getting back from the Bahamas? Well, so we're in the Bahamas uh, uh, on March 11th, uh, and the you know COVID-19 is uh, all in the news there, and we were very concerned about what was going to happen. So. One of the advantages of our boat, if we have to, we can go 20, 25 miles an hour. And uh, we ended up uh, uh, in two days, went from Eleuthera all the way to Fort Lauderdale. Um, so we had that advantage. And a couple days after we left, the Bahamas shut down. And we have a loop of friends that were stuck in the Bahamas for over a month before they got a window in order to come out. Uh, so we feel blessed to have gotten back when we did. And uh, when we were back, this was, again, Fort Lauderdale. We arrived in Fort Lauderdale on March 13th. And 
walking around Fort Lauderdale, uh, we were social distancing, but not many other people there were at the time. And uh, uh, over the course of the following week, as we were going up the uh, Florida coast, uh, we started thinking, we just need to head back. We didn't know whether states were going to close down. One of the marinas, uh, the municipal marina, uh, canceled our reservation. And so we decided to put it in high gear. Fortunately, we had previously done the the, uh, eastern uh, coast. So as much as we would have liked to have stopped to see more of it, we ended up spending a week doing 150 to 180 miles a day and made it all the way to Maryland, where we found a covered slip to keep our boat and borrowed my brother's car, who lives outside of D.C., and arrived home in Maine on uh, March 28th. And because we have a small boat, uh, uh, when things opened up a little bit in May, I drove down from Maine with my truck and trailer and picked up the boat and brought it back. And it's in the water here now, and we're enjoying it. Wow. Uh, So very interesting story from a lot of perspectives. But one of the the perspectives is we are talking about small boats today. And there are so many parts of that story that the boat you chose with none of that in mind, um, not knowing we were going to have this uh, pandemic, um, but your boat was extremely helpful in those circumstances that you unexpectedly encountered. So that's really interesting. Um, Tell us why five or so years ago you decided a small trawler was your ideal boat for the Great Loop. So we were looking for a boat that we could have long-term, that we could um, uh, customize to our tastes, and uh, a boat that was uh, manageable but still uh, seaworthy and comfortable enough for two. And uh, in our case, it was a Rossboro 246, although, as shown in the slides, which you may want to mention, uh, there are other boats that more than fit that description as well. Um, So it was, while the loop was a possibility, initially it was just, this is the kind of boat, we'd had a runabout prior to that and sailboats before that, so this just felt like the right boat for us, one that uh, was small enough that we could handle comfortably and still large enough to do the things that we want to do. So I know that many loopers uh, or prospective loopers buy a boat just for the loop and sell the boat upon the completion of the trip. And um, and that is fine to do. But we really wanted a boat that would be with us long term. And I expect that this boat will be with us for the next uh, uh, 10 to 20 years, God willing. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your Rossboro. Give us the specs and, and tell us her name. So uh, our boat is Salty Paws, and for those that are interested, and it's also shown in the slides, we did uh, have a running blog. It's called cruisingonsaltypaws.blogspot.com. The boat is uh, 25 feet at the waterline. It's got a little uh, swim platform uh, with two outboards. It's got uh, 250 horsepower Yamaha that uh, allows us to go fast. It also has a little kicker a 9.9 uh, that can drive us five or six miles an hour and we get about five miles per gallon on that little motor. So when we were in the rivers, we used it extensively because we also had the river current uh, mostly uh, in our favor. Uh, the boat itself uh, is fully equipped. I mean, everything from 
autopilot, the air conditioning, windless. So you don't have to have a large boat to have those types of comforts. Uh, clearly, it's not a boat that, uh, uh, while we did have a couple people spend the night with us, it's not a boat that if you're planning on having a lot of guests. Although I, I do think that uh, having people on the boat during the day and then stopping a place where maybe there's a, a motel or a hotel nearby could could really work if if people do want to do uh, entertaining. Our boat has um, uh, doors that open up uh, to uh, the outside at both the cockpit uh, station or the helm station as well as the co-pilot station. We have a, a small but functional galley with a two-burner stove, a, a fridge. And uh, uh, I took the dinette out of the cabin and put in a, a sofa, which can expand to a double. Uh, but we mostly use it uh, just as a sofa, and uh, whether it's to take a nap or to sit and watch TV, which folds down from the ceiling. And then one of the things that uh, I, I think for any small boat, if you can do it, it really expands the size of the boat, is to have something that you can close the cockpit with canvas. So we had canvas that had uh, windows. It also, uh, we could black it out, because that's where our shower was as well. And it also had screens. So that's where our dining table was, and we could entertain uh, a couple other couples comfortably in our cockpit and uh, really gave us that third living space because we had the V-berth, the main cabin, and the enclosed cockpit. Right. And Bill, you brought up the slides. Um, I should have mentioned that. Bill and Molly were kind enough to put together a whole PowerPoint slide deck for this. Um, Sometimes in this podcast environment where it's only audio, it's a challenge when we're describing something like a boat as, as opposed to just kind of sharing information. Uh, and they really wanted our listeners to be able to have the visual to go with this. So they have prepared the slide. They're available to you if you're listening to this. And you can find them at greatloop.org slash small boat. So we tried to make that as easy. This episode is all about looping in a smaller boat. So greatloop.org slash small boat. So you can find the pictures there and, and some other information that Bill and Molly provided for this. So thank you for that, Bill. Um, so uh, my pleasure. I enjoyed putting it together. It's it's always fun to uh, reminisce about uh, the loop. Just a fantastic experience. And uh, I hope that uh, listeners out there that haven't done it will have that opportunity to complete that journey. I hope so, too. And I hope that some of them will consider their, the smaller boats because we do see more and more of those. You know, yours obviously is trailerable because you've mentioned that, which is a bit, big advantage for people who maybe are looping in segments. Um, but tell us about some of the advantages that you found for doing the loop on a small trawler. Right. So uh, there certainly are disadvantages, but um, among the advantages or what could be an advantage is Small boats typically are uh, less costly, although you can spend a lot of money in a small boat if you want to. Um, also, the uh, uh, the fuel costs tend to be significantly less. And another significant thing, because most loopers spend uh, a number of nights in marinas that charge by the foot, so that's a significant savings there. I have a feeling, you know, our boat, we called it 28 feet when we entered the marina because we did have the, the, the motor extension. 
but uh, a lot of loopers are you know 40 to 45 feet or some even more and so uh that is amounts to a thousand dollars thousands of dollars difference but by the time you finish the loop the um Aside from cost, one of the things we really liked, and there are some big boats that allow this as well, but we had shallow draft. We took our, our draft was about 28 inches, so there aren't many loopers that are able to do some of the things that we were able to do. Uh, the in the slides you'll see a picture of our boat uh, stern into a, a small beach uh, on Kentucky Lake. We were able to walk right off the boat onto the beach. Uh, when we uh, went to the Everglades, uh, any boat can get into like the Little Shark River, which is absolutely gorgeous. But we were able to continue on and actually go about uh, 30, 40 miles on the waterway, which tends to be only small boats or even canoes and kayaks. And that's something that couldn't have happened uh, uh, on a larger boat. The, in the Bahamas, um, the, um, our boat, again, is seaworthy enough that we were very comfortable uh, on the open water stretches. The largest one is probably about 90 miles. And uh, the Bahamas can be quite windy at times. And there were a one time where for five days we were holed up in a very protected hurricane hole while the wind was blowing 30, 35 knots. And... Um, where we were, it was three feet of water um, at the low tide. And uh, so we were, again, quite comfortable. The uh, There are a number of bridges uh, uh, that one have to go under. And uh, uh, there are a number of bascule bridges that might have 12-foot clearance. We could go under comfortably. Uh, outside of uh, Flamingo uh, in the Everglades, we actually went under a bridge that was at only 10 feet. I did have to make some adjustments uh, up uh, on the roof, but we were able to get under under that. And just as a, a kind of a, a, a funny story, but we could only work with our small boat, we get to Flamingo, which is at the southern end of the um, uh, Everglades waterway, not knowing that um, the dam no longer had an operational lift to go over it. So here we are, separated from the Florida Florida Bay uh, to go to the Keys by this dam. And what are we going to do? We could either take two days to backtrack, uh, going back to the Little Shark River and then down the outside. Or uh, we could somehow get across. And so we looked through the parking lot. We found uh, a trailer that was big enough and right size to move our boat. And then we just watched the fishing boats come back at the end of the day. And sure enough, one of those boats, uh, uh, about four o'clock one day, uh, was the boat that was associated with this trailer. And we went up to them and we uh, paid them. And uh, an hour later, uh, we are on the uh, ocean side of the dam spent the night and continued on away the next day. Wow, that's a great story and, and not one that most loopers would be, would be able to tell. No. <laughs> um, so that's great. Uh, in terms of, yeah, in terms of uh, some of the other uh, advantages, um, this isn't always the case, but uh, we've already made reference to uh, the uh, boat speed. Uh, 
we would often go slow because I think the Grey Loop is best enjoyed when you're really smelling the roses. But we're on Lake Michigan, and uh, there's a half-day window uh, to cross the lake. And so we went 25 miles an hour from the east coast of the Great Lakes in Michigan to Chicago. Um, similar situation in going over the Bahamas, or as I alluded to earlier, uh, coming back. Uh, so uh, having that flexibility to go fast or slow, uh, we put to great advantage, and uh, it really opened up uh, uh, avenues of exploration that we wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah. Question about trailering your boat, because I get asked this a lot when the topic of smaller boats comes up, uh, particularly from people who perhaps are buying a boat not on the loop or, you know, want to be able to do segments and take the boat back and forth to their home. Um, is your boat in particular, when you're trailering it, uh, does it require any special permits? Um, what do you use to tow it? Those kinds of, of trailering details. Yeah, so um, boats that have an eight and a half foot or less beam do not need any special permits. And our boat is exactly eight and a half foot. Uh, on the beam, <clears throat> and uh, we are able to tow that um, with, in our case, we have a three-quarter ton truck, um, like a, a Ford 250, or we have a, a Silverado 250, but um, it could also be trailered on a half ton, but I wouldn't make a habit of it, particularly mm -hmm. for long-distance hauls. The boats that are over eight and a half feet, and as I understand, up to a maximum of ten and a half feet, do require permitting, which, uh, as I've been told, is relatively easy to get, but you've got to uh, be aware and, and confirm because you, if you're going to go through different states, you just want to make sure that the permitting you have will get you through there. Uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, beautiful boats we've been on, uh, made by Great Harbors, is the TT35. Uh, so it's a 35 foot boat, uh, trailable. Again, with a permit, but trailable. And there are sailboats that we've seen uh, trailing too. And I, you know, I think of uh, there are many people that might consider the loop that uh, uh, don't live either near water or uh, water that would get them to the Great Loop route. Uh, and trailing is certainly a, an option. Uh, I know that we met people on the loop from Washington uh, State, and they actually had their boat trailered to Michigan, where they started the loop and trailed back from Michigan after completion of their loop. Yeah. So trailing a boat does open up options, and some of the larger boats really can't uh, be trailed. They'd have to, maybe a captain could could uh, yeah. bring it if you're going to the West Coast or something like right. that. Right. Real quick before we take a break, Bill, um, do you know what the height of your boat is on the trailer? Because that also has a factor in obviously in trailering because there's bridges, um, highway bridges and things. But I know there's a certain height under that you don't have to have a permit as well. Do you know what the height of yours is on the trailer? So when I uh, uh, lower everything that can, uh, that can be lowered on the trailer, we were 11 and a half feet. Gotcha. And I believe, but don't quote me on this, but I believe the interstate highway system is uh, 14 foot clearance. But 
of course, secondary and other roads uh, could indeed be much less. So one would want to check their route for sure. Exactly. Okay, let's take a quick break and play a message from one of one of our sponsors. Um, when we come back, I do want to touch on you know maybe some of the sacrifices you and Molly made because you had a small boat. Because everyone, most loopers really love their boat, so we often hear of the the really the upside to everything. Um, but we always get lots of questions about well, what didn't you like? So when we come back, we'll uh, jump on that part of this topic with Bill Webster. We'll be back in a moment. Winter Harbor Marina is located on the Oneida River, 1.5 miles west of Oneida Lake in Brewerton, New York, just minutes from Syracuse International Airport. Winter Harbor offers the lowest diesel fuel and gas prices from New York City to Canada. If you find a lower posted documented price, they will match it. Their amenities include complimentary courtesy vehicle, 24-hour pay-at-the-pump fueling, dockside water and cable TV, pristine bathrooms and showers, and emergency haul-out service. For more information, call 315-676-9276 or visit www.winterharborllc.com. Winter Harbor is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Today's topic is looping in a small boat, and our guest is Gold Looper Bill Webster. Uh, Bill, you've told us a lot about the advantages of looping in a small boat. Let's talk about some of the disadvantages. Uh, what did you find? Um, because everyone also says that, you know, finding the perfect boat for you is often uh, weighing the different things. You know, there's some pluses and some minuses to just about every boat. Um, so what did you find some of the minuses to doing it in a smaller boat might have been? Well, fortunately, uh, my wife and I have a good relationship. Um, that always helps. Living quarters are <laughs> definitely tighter. So, uh, the one of the things that we did early on was we added a four-inch memory foam mattress on top. I cut it you know, so it fit on top of the cushions in the deep berth, and so we slept very well. I, I would say that had we not slept well, it would have made the boat even smaller. Um, you know, I alluded to uh, earlier uh, the uh, w we were able to enclose our cockpit because without doing that in bad weather and only having that small cabin, it can definitely make things seem pr pretty tight. Another uh, disadvantage that I mentioned briefly is uh, uh, guests. And I know that there are many loopers that wanted a full uh, separate state room for guests and um, uh, a separate head, which is wonderful. I also did talk to some loopers that found out that they didn't have as many guests as they had expected. Uh, so that's something that you might want to check. Uh, not with our boat, but smaller boats, uh, on average, are less seaworthy. And so uh, when we look at you know things like the Gulf Crossing, uh, which was 182 miles for us. Uh, you know, you want to make sure you've got a seaworthy boat uh, and or that you really wait for the weather window that your, your boat uh, is designed for. Um, small boats have less fuel and water storage. So one of the things we did in our boat was we took out the head and the holding tank and put in a composting toilet, and where the head, where the holding tank was, put in another 40-gallon uh, water tank. Um, 
particularly, you know, for showers and, and what have you, uh, uh, we only had, uh, 40 gallons and now we're able to double it to, to 80, which was, which was nice. But, th- you know, that, that's certainly a, a restriction. The, um, you know, I think one of the toughest things on our boat, and really think about where things are because while we had storage in all the nooks and crannies that a boat has, if we needed it, we typically had to move other things. And so that can be, uh, be frustrating on a, on a small boat. So you really want to plan and be organized so that you don't have to get to those hideaway places uh, very much. Uh, and another thing that I might not have thought of, but on the loop, there are many places where there are uh, wake restrictions. Well, the longer the boat's waterline is, the faster one can go and still have no wake. So as that waterline gets smaller, uh, it's uh, you've got to go slower than some of uh, the other boats would that have a longer waterline. Uh, so those are some of the, the disadvantages um, on the loop. Um, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I mentioned, too, is uh, livability. And obviously, the, the bigger the boat, uh, from a living space standpoint, is much more comfortable. In fact, many looper boats are, seem to be more like a home almost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a regular home. So... Uh, we came up, uh, uh, my wife Molly and I came up with a list of, of five things that we thought could help make a small boat more livable. And one of our ideas, which we implemented, and, and you're going to see uh, pictures of all these suggestions uh, uh, on the slides if you look, but to store what you can outside of the cabin. So all our boat fenders, most all our lines, a regular anchor as well as a secondary anchor were all outside. Uh, we used the stanchions to support the second anchor. The roof of our boat had our dinghy. It had our uh, uh, the motor for the dinghy. It had our two-person kayak. And on our first trip, we actually had two bicycles that we uh, kept up there in the dinghy when not in use. Um, are, so those are examples of, of things that uh, really made it work for us. Mm-hmm. Another suggestion we had was just to be very, very organized uh, and put similar items in labeled storage containers. So, for example, we had, uh, our, our galley had uh, three shelves underneath it. And while on our first trip, you know, we started off being very organized, but by the time you do a little cooking and you use things a little bit or you move pots and pans or whatever, very soon that galley becomes a mess uh, uh, despite one's best efforts. So uh, what we did halfway through this loop was we bought these very inexpensive storage containers and it just simplified getting to things underneath in the galley. Now we might have to take out one storage container to get to the one underneath it, but with the label we knew exactly what we were looking for and saved time in getting it. Uh, we had uh, things like our life jackets were uh, under stretch cords uh, up on the ceiling. And we had, uh, I made reference here, we had a TV that folded up that was on the ceiling. Also, uh, I made uh, um, kind of a, uh, a chart holding uh, uh, containers that were 
underneath had what had been where the dinette was. So all our charts uh, for the loop, we came home for Thanksgiving. Uh, so we could have, uh, and we did return some stuff home, uh, halfway through the loop, but we had all the charts were there for the, for the whole time. So in addition to the electronic charts, we had the paper charts for much of what we, uh, were dealing with. The, um, we also had, um, uh, what I thought was a great table set up. There's a, a company called Lagoon, L-A-G-U-N, that sells a relatively inexpensive uh, teak table in three different sizes with these adjustable uh, mounts that can be removed. So the same table we could use as a chart table, we could use as a work table on the sofa, we could use as a counter extension, and we could use as a dinette uh, table in the cockpit. So that was something that worked out very well. And I think that um, uh, there are probably other things that you could think about uh, for one's own boat about, gee, is there something that I can, that can, that can serve a double purpose? Right. That's Another point. suggestion mm-hmm. we had was to really think about w- what you're going to use and only pack what you're going to use. Now, obviously, you need safety items, which you, many of which you hope not to use whether it be an EPIRB or something like that. But um, we really thought, so we wanted to do a lot of snorkeling, and we did in uh, Great Lakes. We did it in Florida, and we also did it in Bahamas. So we did pack our snorkeling equipment. We love to kayak, and we actually had a tandem kayak on our small boat. Um, and, uh, you know, we did things like uh, we, we kayaked through the Peterborough Lock before we went through it by boat. That's a big lift walk that goes up uh, 90-something feet in the air with a big tub of water. And just having that experience and being able to do it was wonderful. The On our first trip, we actually had two bicycles, uh, folding bicycles, which were great. But we found that uh, uh, many marinas, if you planned ahead, had, had bicycles. And so given our small boat, we ended up uh, selling those uh, on, on our first trip. The um, last suggestion we had, well, I've mentioned earlier, is being able to enclose a cockpit, which people that are on our boat uh, invariably said, this boat seems a lot bigger than I thought it would. So those are some ideas to make that big boat, or that small boat, rather, seem more like a big boat. They aren't for everything, but we're just thrilled to have been able to do the loop on our boat, and it's still our boat today. And... uh, um, you know, I think if if someone is thinking about buying a loop boat with the idea they're going to sell it afterwards, they might just ask themselves, would it be nice to have a, a boat after the loop? And is there a boat that maybe can be both of these? And not for everybody, but it's worked for us. Yeah. Bill, this has been great. Chock full of tips and ideas for people who might be considering a small boat. Um, yeah, I love that you kind of shared some of the features that might make it a little bit more livable, but also shared a lot of your suggestions and some of the modifications that you made, like uh, taking out the dinette in favor of uh, sofa and adding a water tank and really usable suggestions. So I want to thank you for that. What is the next, since you, you um, as you said, intend to keep Salty Paws for quite some time, what's the next adventure for you and Molly and Salty Paws? Where are you headed next? Right. So uh, this year we are going to uh, trailer the boat up to Moosehead Lake, which is the largest uh, freshwater lake in Maine, it's about uh, 50 miles long. And that's really 
just to give us some further experience in trailering. And I think that um, um, I think the down east loop is, is is on our to do list. We've already done probably close to half of it, and whether we trailer and do it in sections or do the whole thing remains to be seen. So, you know, we have that option. We could trailer the boat to Albany mm -hmm. and uh, figure out where to put in there as opposed to going down to New York City, which would be uh, probably a fourth time that we've done that uh, segment. Um, so we'll see. But uh, uh, Downing's Loop is definitely uh, on the plan. And something else, and I haven't got Molly isn't aboard on this one yet, but by being able to trailer a boat, we can use it as an RV. So why not go across country? Let's put it in Washington and let's go up to Alaska. I love it. It's been done. It's been yep. done with our boat. We'll see. <laughs> love it. Bill, thanks for sharing all of these details. It's been great. Um, a reminder again for those of you listening, if you would like to take a look at the visual aids that go along with this, you can visit greatloop.org slash smallboat. And that's where you'll find the PowerPoint presentation that Bill and his wife Molly put together. Uh, gives more details and some photos so that you can really kind of get the perspective of, of what Bill and Molly had for their boat as well as some other small boats. So uh, once again, Bill, thanks so much. Uh, Enjoy the cruising out there on Salty Paws and stay safe. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Mm -hmm.